Hello, everyone. It's so special to be here with you tonight. Welcome to what we're calling No Stupid Questions, specifically No Stupid Relationships Questions. I'm Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and I'm here with Rebetzin Rachel Holtzkenner. For those of you who don't know Rebetzin Holtzkenner, she is a mother of four children. She is the co-director of the Chabad of Las Alas, Florida. I think I said that right. I said it right. Las Olas, but that was Las, good. Las, Las Olas. Olas. Las Olas. No wave. No wave. Exactly. And there they have a wonderful community of young professionals. She's also a high school teacher and a freelance writer and a frequent contributor to Chabad.org. She lectures extensively on topics of relationships, Kabbalah, feminism, and their application to everyday life. She holds an MS in brain research from the Nova SE University. It's a real honor for me to share the stage tonight with Rebetzin Holtzkenner. Thank you, Rebbe Bernath. Likewise. Very special. Now, tonight, since we're a group of singles, you never know. The magic is in the air. So I want you to go to your name and either put an A in front of your name or an N-A in front of your name. And that way, uh, you can also add age range, religious orientation. What this is is an invitation for someone to reach out to you either here or to private message you you never you never know what can happen again a means available na means not available obviously if someone puts an na please respect their wishes and for those who are available please be courteous be nice be respectful of course if you don't have a profile yet j matchmaking since uh, the Jewish matchmaking has come out on Netflix, J Matchmaking, which has been the number one place where people come to. Many of you probably found this through J Matchmaking and uh, and through the show. And so therefore, you can imagine thousands of other people are also have come onto it. And so if you don't, for whatever reason, or a friend of yours doesn't have a profile in J Matchmaking, just make one. It's that easy. It's very easy to make. And right now there are there are many, many into the five digits, something around 90,000 singles uh, worldwide on J Matchmaking. And uh, that is something great for you. Throughout the class tonight, you are welcome to private message me your questions in the chat. Just find my name, private message me uh, your questions. Also, you can just, if you want to publicly message them, you can also, I will uh, make sure to take those messages. But tonight, we have gotten so many questions, incredible questions, and I'm going to ask them. But before I ask them, what I'd like to do is um, ask Rebison Holtzkenner to uh, share a few words with us, a couple dating tips or tricks, whatever you have up your sleeve, uh, veteran matchmaker and relationships coach, uh, share some great words with us. Thank you so much, Robert Bernath, and thank you guys all for coming on, taking the time to join us. Every single person here adds to the group and it's meaningful to us. We appreciate it. So, you know, they say Adam and Eve had a very easy task. God told, God told them you can eat from every tree in the garden, just not one tree, just not this one tree. And yet somehow that one tree was irresistible them. Great question is why? What was so hard about resisting that one tree? 
And the answer is that since this was their life mission, since they had one mission to withhold from eating from that tree, there was so much temptation around it. It was such a hard thing to do. Meaning anything in life that's difficult for us is an indication that it's part of our singular or if not singular, very core essential mission. Some people, they uh, seem dating seems to be effortless, finding their match, their soulmate seems to be effortless, and that's incredible. But for some of us, it is very, very challenging. Challenging, heart-wrenching, time-consuming, takes so much courage. And it's easy to take that as a sign that maybe finding a net match is not for me. Maybe it's not worth the effort, but the opposite is true. If this is something that's difficult, that shows us how important it is, how this is a core essential goal that God wants us to accomplish. And God wants us to find our match even more than we want it ourselves. So every step of the way, everything that you do on behalf of this important goal of finding your match, it takes courage, effort, is admirable, and is very much admired by Hashem, by God. Being on this call takes the effort, takes courage, and you're here, and I'm sure everybody does many things on behalf of this mitzvah, this life goal of trying to find that soulmate to live a meaningful, unified life together. So in the merit of the effort of getting on this call, joining J Matchmaking, and everything else that you all do, Hashem should send you that dream, that goal, crossing that threshold of finding somebody that you finally resonate, resonate with, brings out the best in you, you bring out the best in them, and despite the challenges, can lead uh, a life together in companionship and love. So that's my pre-Yom Kippur blessing for you all. I stand in awe of all the effort that you've put in already and will continue to put in uh, until the finish line. May the finish line be soon. Amen, amen. We're really happy to have also with us here tonight the world-famous Eliza Ben Shalom, all the way from Israel. Hello, Rabbi. Wow. How are you? Hi, everybody. Hello, Eliza. I'm pop popping in. This is like a surprise visit. <laughs> <laughs> so excited to see everybody here. Um, this is uh, this is the J Matchmaking crew, Rabbi. And more. J and more. Yeah. J Montreal. Yeah. J Matchmaking, J Montreal. Some uh, people from the Chabad of Las Olas in in Florida, where Rebetzin Holtzkenner oh. is the Rebetzin there. Spectacular. Fantastic. Big fantastic. fan, Elisa. I'm a big fan. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Elisa, uh, before we, we're going to start asking, we have some amazing questions here from people, like really, really amazing questions. Before that, do you have like a little piece of relationship advice that you can just, a little nugget, something? A little nugget. You have a, give me a topic. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> throw out a topic and I'll give you a nugget of wisdom on that topic. Okay. Like a, throw like it a in the chat. Chart. A topic for Elisa. <laughs> We need, we need a little kickstart. It takes, you know. Should, should we just communication, someone says. 
Oh, communication is so good. Um, so Rabbi, I don't know that I sent this. Oh, you, you saw it in one of the chats that I was yes. on. Hold on. Wait, I'm going to pull it up for you just in terms of communication. Cause I really like this and it spoke to me. Um, okay. So I'm always learning new things. I always have new people that are reaching out and somebody reached out and talked to, and said something about I M A wait, that stands for, where is it? Rabbi, you have it there. I M A no, it's, no, this is new. Hold on. It's new material. I, when I have my new material, you'll see, you know, Aliza in her notebook. So oh, it's I, a new rocket book you have. Yeah. I love it. Oh, the rocket book is the best, the best, the best. Hold on. Da, 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 da. I am a, I took, I took notes. You just have to, you know, you have a rocket book. You just have to remember which page you took the notes on. Anyway, I'll look it up or, or we'll look it up after and we'll tell you what IMA stands for because uh, there's too many pages. Oh, there we go. Compile. Blah, blah, blah. No, never mind. Okay. Um. Anyway, this, this, person sent this to me and it talked all about um, different types of people and it's specifically related to communication. So I'm going to hold this up so that you can see this chart and Rabbi, I'll send it to you so you could send this it to amazing. everybody. Okay. So first of all, you see different colors, there's different quadrants and in each quadrant, we have non-assertive at the top, assertive at the bottom. We have relationship orientation, very open or like task orientation and, and somebody who's self-contained. And it gives you a little description of each of these types of communication. You know, there's, there's the Elisa type, right? The warm and bubbly and friendly and outgoing. And um, that's, you know, that's, that's the Elisa type. There are um, different people who are serious, analytical, persistent, systematic, task-oriented, right? They get things done. And I hire people in my business to do those things. And sometimes when we come up against a challenge in terms of communication, it's, okay, I know what I'm thinking. I know how I operate. And then it's like, oh, that's wrong. No, nothing, not wrong, different. That person is different. I love the word different. In terms of communication, who I am, what I think, how I operate is different, most likely from how you operate. Now, you might find like your personality and your your prototype that's like a twin of you in the world. So just for example, Rabbi and I are like, you know, uh, twins in terms of like personality and, and how we operate. And and you might find people that are similar and then it you don't find the opposite like like we actually sometimes look to like find something we can disagree about so that it'll be more engaging but you also find people that are very different from you they bring so much to the table they probably get under your skin and they irritate you you're like oh and then at the same time they're beautiful humans who can do something that you totally don't do they talk about opposites attract and like the attractions there but what about the communication communication is at the core and the foundation of every single relationship so it pays for us to invest two minutes a day, five minutes a day, learn something on communication, try a different style of communication with somebody, try doing their style of communication, right? So I am not the, you know, task-oriented drill sergeant type of communication, but if I'm talking to somebody who's like that, speak their language, you know? If I, when I work with people and I coach them, if I'm talking to a lawyer, sometimes I'll give a lawyer example or a doctor, I'll give that type of example or a teacher and I'll give an example that they can totally relate to because it makes sense in their brain. So 
know your style of communication, but do a good job of trying to understand what are other styles of communication and learn it and then practice talking a different language. It's really, it's really a different language. You know, they talk about the five love languages. Yeah. There's like the 47,000 different communication languages and learn to speak somebody's language. Cause when you do that, that's when you're, you have like somebody described it. One of my clients said, it's like a mind meld. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, that's what I want. I want to feel like we're like, we get each other. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. He's, he's a, but you have to practice communicating in a way that's going to bring you guys together. So That is my tip for the new year. And I give a blessing that everybody should have all of the skills that they need, all of the resources they need, and all of the energy that they need to continue through the dating and relationship process. And may each and every one of you meet your soulmate this year. Amen. 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 Thank you for letting me pop it. Pop, pop, pop. (laughs) I'm going to pop out and say goodbye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here, Lisa. Pleasure. So let's get to our questions. We have so many questions. Um, uh, so Rebels and Holzkenner, let's uh, get started. The first question, okay. and uh, we're going to do this completely anonymous. So many of them came in before. And again, if you have questions, you're welcome to put them in the chat. And we will continue going in order of the questions. This question was, I'm very attracted to a man from the community who's now part of my group of friends. I want to tell him, but I don't dare because I'm a woman. I'm afraid of rejection, and I don't know what he's really looking for. He's two years younger than me. I'm nearly 30. I've never dared tell a boy that I liked him, and I don't know if that's part of the reason why I'm still alone. What do you say to this young woman? Am I am I answering this first, Rabbi? Yes. Well, I think you okay. should this. this is for, uh, this is a woman's yes. issue. Yes. Yes. So I think that there's a combination of factors here. One of them could be a lack of confidence, which is something that you're not alone in that uh, in that phenomenon. Most many women suffer and are growing in that area of lacking that confidence and boldness to say what we feel, to be assertive. But I want to also suggest that there's also a certain modesty or old-fashioned values, which is that a woman should wait, some say, for a man to initiate, to ask her out. Certainly, we all, most people believe that a man should be the one to propose. So that old-fashioned chivalry, and maybe that's what you're feeling as well that you'd like that, you'd like to be pursued. And that makes a lot of sense as well. And I wouldn't squash that feeling um, in the name of trying to be bold or trying to be confident. So it's really a balance of the two. But I think a practical solution to this that could maintain your dignity, uphold those chivalrous values that you seem to have would be to go through a third party. Could be a matchmaker, but it could just be a friend who could ask the other person, this person that you have a crush on, that you seem to like, what they feel about you and then get back to you. It would still be hurtful to be rejected, but not as hurtful as hearing it from the person themselves. What do you think about that, Rabbi Bernath? So I I have two follow-up questions for you on this. The first one is, do you think that a woman should never ask a man out? 
Is that you want to do it one by one? Um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, I know. I don't think that that's a hard and fast rule. No, I think that there are definitely situations that I would say maybe there are more alternative situations um, where a woman could forego the the the, the, the chivalrous method of waiting right. for a man to, to ask her out and could could take that first step. But what is true in all cases is that a man, a woman could always and should always let a man know in indirect ways that she's interested in him and that she'd like to be asked out. But I think in some cases, even the most direct manner of initiating and saying, hey, do you want to go out for coffee? Do you want to go out for dinner? I think that could be um, a very valid way of initiating a relationship. Interesting. Especially if that's natural to her. If that comes naturally. Right. I've never had a situation where I've had a, a woman who wanted to ask a man out, but I've had a situation a number of times, and I would say more recently, where there was a couple that was dating and the woman was getting really frustrated that he wasn't popping the question. And she didn't want to wait around. And she, this one woman reached out to me and I had set them up and she said, I don't get it. Like, doesn't he get it? Like, like, no. And so I said, I don't understand. We live in a world of equality. Why don't you propose? Oh, no, no, no. Why not? Buy him a watch and propose. Get down on a knee if you have to. I don't know what people do today. And she did it. And he said yes. Wow. <laughs> then that was a great suggestion, Rabbi Burnett. I mean, so I wonder if maybe we live in a world of equality and these kind of old world, I know that I know that there's so many people who want those old, old world feelings, but maybe, maybe with all of the joy and the wonders that equality has brought to women and to the world at large, maybe we're at a point where women should also be asking out. It should be equal opportunity in both ways. And maybe a lot of men just are interested. They just don't know what to do. And you can't expect that, you know, and what she's saying is that maybe that's the reason why she's hasn't found her person. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's possible. But I think it depends on the person. And I think there are many women who very much want that, if you want to say traditional experience of being pursued, being asked out, being asked to be married. And, um, and that's also very valid, important piece of the puzzle. And you can say has validity in Jewish and even mystical tradition. Um, but times can call for alternative, alternative pursuits. So like I said, especially if a woman feels comfortable, she doesn't feel like she would be cheated from her experience by taking initiation like that. I think that she should go for it. So, so that this is my next question to you. This leads into the, how do you see that playing out? So you're coaching uh, a, a young woman to do what you're proposing. How do you, can you kind of give us the, a little bit of a play-by-play? -play? How would this play out for, for this young woman? For the initial dating or for proposal to merit for marriage? For the initial dating. She's asking about initially dating. She, it's, this man is in her friend circle. She's interested in him and he's not getting the point. Yeah, I think something as simple as saying, hey, would you want to go out? Would you want to meet up one day? 
Would you want to meet for coffee tomorrow night? Would you want to go hang out at this, uh, this party together? Would you want to go to the game? Um, he may, he, the, the issue is that he may not understand that she's coming from a place of pursuing a romantic relationship where if it, if the situation was vice versa, it would be more clear that she was being pursued romantically. When she initiates, she could be it could be mistaken as a as a friendly um, social interaction. Yeah, that's interesting. So what you're saying, if I understand you correctly, is that there's a lot of people who would take that as a friend zone because it's a big issue in our society today, where it, it's it the request from the woman maybe is not romantic, but rather their a request is a friend zone. Yes. It's, it's, it's more platonic. And a man could think, a man could think, well, I've kind of made it clear that I don't want to pursue this romantic relationship. If you're initiating, it must maybe you're coming from a place of wanting to be friends. In his mind, it may be clear that there's nothing romantic. There's no spark between us. But as a friend, yes. Which is why I think a third party could also be useful to kind of weigh it out, get some data about where his head is. And if there is some opening and potential, then even if he does think it's just a social interaction that could lead to a more romantic um, mm -hmm. unfolding of the relationship. And how would that third party? So a lot of people don't know. So here you are, you're, you're a matchmaker and, and people can ask you to be their matchmaker. So if somebody was interested in someone, how would they go? Like, what do you do? You just call up uh, Rebetzin, Rachel Holtz-Tenner, uh, I'm interested in this person. What do, what do you do? How does this process work? For so many people here, this is completely foreign. So I love when people come up to me at a party. I just had this actually on Rosh Hashanah. The first night of Rosh Hashanah, a friend of mine said to me, Rachel, what about this guy? What about that guy? What about that guy? And uh, some of the people that she were, was interested in were much younger than her, like, 15 years younger than her, or for other reasons, could have been a realistic suggestion. But I said to her, I am so happy that you that your mind is wide open to possibilities and that you want me to pursue. I will pursue every single suggestion and want that you have. Be oh. oh, we just lost her. Okay, I wanted to hear the rest of that story. That was fantastic. Whoops, was that just me? Was that just me or that was, okay, sorry, my, my Zoom shut down for a second. Okay. Was that just me or was everybody? No, no, we, we lost you for a second. We want to hear the rest of the story. Okay, okay, the rest of the story. Yeah, so I said, I'm going to go up to everyone. And what, what, what do I do? I just say, you know, I don't know if you met my friend so-and-so or if you saw her, would you be interested in going out for coffee? I'm going out on a date with her or going out for coffee with her. Um, and they will tell me right away. Some of them will say, no, you know, she's very nice, but not for me. Um, and, uh, if any of them say yes, then I'll get right back to her. So it's just as simple as asking them, is this a person that you would be interested in pursuing, uh, the, the, the possibility of dating or having a romantic relationship with? So let me understand this. You're at Rosh Hashanah and you became this woman's wing woman. Oh, this started long before Rosh Hashanah. This is, <laughs> this is, this is, uh, something that's. That's I view as my job. This is my job. If people well, don't go over and interact with each other, that my job is to to feel people out, 
It's like, you know, playing Jenga. You got to find the pieces that are soft enough to try to manipulate and move around. If there is any potential for, um, for, for a date, then I want to push it. I want to manipulate. I want to try to make it happen. It's fantastic. Okay. Here's the next question. Are you ready? I'm ready. How do I know she is the right one? How long does it take? Mm, the million dollar question. This is we need Elisa back to, to come back on. <laughs> right. Do you think there's any there's any signs that 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 he got? Well, she I guess he's asking the question. I'm just just taking the question based on itself. Do you think there's any signs that someone would know that this is my person? Absolutely. At the base level, I always think if I like a person and I am somewhat attracted to them and they like me and they're somewhat attracted to me, that's a winning lottery ticket. Mm. How often does that happen? There's got to be some synchrony here or like we like to say the hand of Hashem. Hashem seems to be pulling the pieces of the puzzle together because for me to like him is a miracle. For him to also like me is also a miracle and that that should happen in synchrony. So that's already something to open up my eyes and say, why is God setting me up in a situation that has this momentum? I need to pursue it, especially mm. if it's not something that happens regularly. Maybe for some people, they're always falling in love and everybody's always falling in love with them. Then, then maybe they need to, you know, to to really be more uh, cautious. But um, for most people, it's very hard to get that Rubik's Cube in order. So when a situation has po mutual potential, definitely worth pursuing. Those those situations don't come by frequently and uh, worth, worth really seeing if they could unfold. Sometimes they fall apart, they collapse, and then you know, not for me, but if there is potential, even if it's not the most hot, passionate relationship, uh, it's it's uh, there's something good there. There's something solid there and worth letting unfold. It's amazing. I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to add to what you're saying that we it's, never really know 100 percent. But we have to what you're saying is that you have to trust in Hashem and trust the process and trust that this is right. If you if you don't have. I want to see if you don't have any reasons that it's wrong because you you can weigh. I mean, there's processes to to weigh the the, the pros and the cons, and, and and a good matchmaker coach can can help you with that. Where you, you go through the process and say, "This is my person," because yes, 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 yes. Not just because oh, I'm over the top and it's romantic and uh, I'm in the honeymoon stage and everything is just wonderful. So there is, I think, there is a process. Absolutely. Let's go to the next question. Maybe we'll go a little more uh, rapid fire here because we have so many questions. Uh, my Great. ex, the number three, my ex fiance broke up with me a month before our wedding. I am heartbroken oh. and disappointed. Can you give me a bracha to find my zivug? And she actually puts her name here. I won't give her name. I don't mm. What do you? That do you is so painful. Wow. Well, well, 
I better to be heartbroken than to have broken somebody's heart. And even within being heartbroken, there's, there's a tenderness there, a humility. Like the Rebbe of Kutsk said that there's nothing as whole as a broken heart. And boy, do you have a broken heart. So in all, I bless you that in all that empty space between the cracks of your heart, you should see Hashem's blessing and light flow and not to take it personally. And I'm sure that's much easier said than done. But to trust that just like after the broken tablets, there were the whole tablets that were better than the ones that were broken, better than the ones that were broken when they were whole, um, that you will move on to something even better. And I'm so sorry for what you went through. Amen. Amen. And just to be able to hold the space and to be able to share that. As the great Rebbe Leonard Cohen said, there's a, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So from the crack, let's see the light. Amen. And for everybody, even those who didn't have such a dramatic crack in their heart, everybody's heart has been broken. Um, maybe just by all of the attempts to uh, to pursue their soulmate and so many disappointments and all of those cracks should generate light. Yeah. really feeling for you and uh, if there's anything we can do to help let us know this next question I'm 50 and I live in South Florida South Florida you like that place go South Florida in Montreal we always say that we're a suburb of South Florida <laughs> at least at certain times of the year um, certain times of the year <laughs> uh, I always attract the emotionally unavailable men I feel like most people today are not seeking quality, but quantity, and treat you like you're an Amazon package. Unfortunately, there is a lot of validity to that. I see someone put me too. <laughs> so uh, exactly what uh, exactly what what I was saying. I would challenge you and everybody who's had this experience to think about what you would have to sacrifice in order to meet, date, and be attracted to the men who are not like that. And again, this in broad strokes and painting unfair stereotypes here, but um, at risk of painting unfair stereotypes, there is perhaps some allure to that kind of macho mentality um, and giving that up and looking for a whole new set of, of tools and a whole new personality type that's maybe more gentle, more sensitive, that maybe doesn't have some qualities that are attracted to you. Mm. So what would it take, what compromise would it take on your part to open up to the type of man that has what you want in terms of being willing to look deeper, but may not have you want what you want 
in terms of a certain masculinity that you may have always thought you needed and were compatible with, but maybe there's there's another type. What do you say, Rabbi Bernath? I love that. I love that. I think that I think that you're spot on. And um I always say tongue in cheek that you know, if you're not emotionally available, just don't clog up the system. It's okay. There's no you don't have to get married. Nobody nobody's forcing you to get married. Just don't don't start being disingenuous with people who who really do want to find their person and do want to find a life partner. But they, do you think that there would be a person that would own up to that title of not being emotionally available and therefore not clog up the system? Well, that's a person I would want to help. Or a person that say, well, I, I kind of want someone in my life but I don't know where to even start. Maybe I am not emotionally available because I've been doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, which some people say is a definition of insanity. And if I've been doing it for so long and I keep on expecting that something's going to happen and nothing happens, well, maybe I should change the way that I'm doing it. Yes, agreed without letting that thought make make a person feel defeated very good point yes yeah yeah this is an interesting question that came in how do you suggest asking a friend or someone you know to keep their eyes and ears open for you what info do you suggest sharing with them so they can know what to look out for and be most on target for you i love that question because i believe in quality matches, not quantity matches. So many people say, just send me another one. Send me another one. No, we want quality. We want to find the right person. So the person's asking, what are the systems? What are the ingredients for that? Well, what a great question. What a great question also, because asking friends to look out for you takes a lot of courage and vulnerability. And especially if you've asked them before, but it's such a good idea. And don't worry about harassing them or bothering them. Most probably they don't feel burdened by you reminding them to look out for them. And if they do, it's okay also. Yes. You need to do you. So that idea of, yeah, probably thinking to yourself, they probably don't have anyone for me. If they did, they would have told, but I'm still going to put out those feelers. I'm going to do my effort. To use the Hebrew lingo, I'm going to do my hishtadlut is so valuable. It's advocating for yourself. And you just never know who would who will remember or be reminded of you when they meet somebody that could be a potential date or a potential spouse. So 90% of it you're already doing by having the courage to reach out to friends and acquaintances and tell them, I am looking to date for marriage. Please have me in mind. Or I know I spoke to you about this a few months ago. I want to remind you that I'm still on the lookout. And I know Aliza had had given this suggestion in a um, uh, a um, a video that she did that she had done a few months back, which was to make a beautiful profile using Canva or another format that has a picture of you and some some information, but not just a regular profile to actually make it nice, 
make it something that you kind of look at it and you're like, you already get a feel for the person. I love that idea. And I've suggested it to people. Um, so maybe that could work as well to give them something easy that they could forward to another person that kind of radiates you just by the look and feel of it. Yeah. I think also when it comes to setting someone else up, just like you said, the Hishtadlut is putting yourself out there is such a difficult thing. I used to say the hardest job in the world is matchmaking. I, I don't say that anymore. The hardest job in the world is dating. Dating is the hardest job in the world. It is so difficult, constantly putting yourself out there, constantly facing rejection, constantly having, it's it's so emotionally, physically, financially, it's draining. So also what's fascinating is that most people will find someone in their friend circle. They'll find someone from friends. So if you dated wow. someone and they're a great person and they're not for you, think of a friend right away. Think of a friend and set them up. Don't be scared. Now, if you're a friend that you want your friend to set up, I would say specific is terrific. Make sure your friend knows something specific about you that they will always have in mind. Oh, that's the specific person. The more specific, the better. I would say, yeah, maybe on I love top that. Of that. Make sure your friend knows what are you fixed on, what are you flexed on, fixed or flexed. What do you? What are your non-negotiables? What are your negotiables? I think those two things alone would allow somebody to be able to set set you up with. It's interesting. As I'm talking here, and as Rebison, as you're talking, people are asking, "Do you have any other avenues to meet people?" There's a great new app that just started and I've been playing a lot on it. I don't know if Rebison Holtz kind of you've been playing on it, but um it's yes, called, it's called Loop. And it's a way mm -hmm. that you can make a profile there and your friends can set you up. So I'm there obviously happily married and I'm setting people up. It's really, really fun. And, and you, you just put your friends network on there and you can set up friends, friends of friends. Really, really great. And I've so got to check it out. Um, and and I think that there's there's all there's no single way to meet people. J matchmaking is another way through individual matchmakers like Rebitz and Holtzkenner. These are all different ways because everyone has different networks, and you have to try as many ways as possible. Whatever it takes, you have to put yourself out there. It's a, the hardest job in the world, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you have to go through it, but Hashem will help you. And I like what you said also that um, it's so interesting that people fi uh, will find matches that are within their friend circle, which makes sense because there's a lot of similarities within people's friend circles. But I think that, you know, the our lower self or the part of us that's, that's pessimistic about our future uh, sometimes feeds us unconscious messages like it's, you know, maybe I do have a match, but he or she is on the other side of the world. And what are the chances that we're going to interact with each other? Like it says in the Torah, you know, it's not on the other side of the ocean. It's not in the heavens. It's something very close to you. And of course, that thought that even if I do, even if I could match with one person, how would I ever find them? That's not coming from our soul based 
perspective on our on our lives because our soul perspective is full of of that faith that God not only wants me to meet somebody meaningful and special and my person but he's also going to give me the opportunity to meet him or her now i know that's easier said than done and many people on the zoom call could say oh yes I had that opportunity. Well, I tried like hell and I and I didn't find it. I turned over every stone and I believe that. But it's not over. It's not over. The the pursuit is not over. That's why you're on this call. And that means that it's not only possible, but it's accessible. And sometimes that means you know, it, it kind of lowers the bar in a sense of, okay, he or she is here. So pull out, I'm going to put out my feelers, whether it's speaking to people or using the internet or an app, but it's there. It's, 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 it's somewhat close. It's not impossible. So agree. Here, here's another question. Maybe we should go through these questions because they're coming in so quickly. I don't think we'll get to all of them tonight. So let's maybe let's try we'll to, have to do a part do two, Rabbi. Yeah, let's do it. But we have to do a part two. Fire. So these questions, these next questions, we're going to answer in 90 seconds or less. You ready? Yes. Okay. What do you suggest for a first date in person? Time of date, type of activity, formal or informal? What do you say? I would say something in between formal or and informal. Um, informal in the sense that you don't have to spend a lot of money, but formal in the sense, put your best foot forward, try and look and dress your best and um, try and view it as something that has weight and potential. But again, informal, you don't need to, to, to invest a lot of time or money in something that's just a first date. I would agree. I, I also don't like just first dates. There's no way to unawkwardize a first date. It's a word that I just made up. You can't, it's always going to be awkward. First dates are awkward. They're weird. That's what it is. Do a second date. The first date, make sure you can talk and talk and talk. Make sure to listen too. And the second date, shared experience. Nice. You need a shared experience because you have to see how you are, because most of life is shared experiences. And you want to see how you are next to the person. And you're going to see there's going to be a different chemistry when you're doing something together. Mm, nice. So to do an activity together as a second date would exactly. be your recommendation. Absolutely. A first and, date and, as something more. I would say more... that first and second date, that's really one date. I consider, I don't consider that two dates. I consider that one date. First date, awkward. No way to, whatever, whatever you do, it's going to be awkward. Second date, shared activity. So not to have such high expectations from that first date. Great point. Definitely not walk, don't walk away saying there was no chemistry. I don't see any potential. Expect there to be zero chemistry on the first date. Expect zero. And not only that, but what you walk yes. away from a first, when you walk away from your second date, if you, you're not asking, will I marry this person? That's like going from zero to 10 or zero to a hundred. You're saying, am I interested in this person? If you're still interested, go on a third date. That's all you want. See, we, we often, we're skipping 50 steps. Relax. If you're interested, if you're interested, find out more. In anything in life, I would say if you're interested, find out more. That makes a lot of sense. Someone says it's hard when people are looking for instant gratification. It's hard 
but we can only control ourselves. Yep. Okay, next one. Uh, what are your thoughts and advice on dating someone who has broken off an engagement? Are there any specific questions you should ask that person or be worried about? I would try to do a little bit of investigative work without uh, gossiping to try to, to find out whether this is something, a typical pattern that the person that broke the engagement has that would indicate that they're afraid of commitment or if it was just an experience like we've all had where we've made mistakes, where things went wrong, where we thought we were going in a certain direction and then we were rerouted, that could happen to anybody. But if possible, to try to see from other people, uh, let them know you're not looking to gossip, but you'd like to know if you feel that this was in indicative of a fear of commitment. If that's not possible, then when meeting the person, trying to ask them uh, either directly or indirectly whether uh, committing uh, or or not committing is something that has been an issue in past dating experiences. Right. What do you say, Rabbi Bernath? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Okay, next question. Do you have any tips or suggestions for ways to find more virtual dating events? I live in South Florida and I'm modern Orthodox. Well, if you live in South Florida, the third uh, most Jewish state in uh, the in the United States of America, um, you're lucky that there are so many in-person events. And in-person events, as we all know, uh, take a lot more effort to attend, but are uh, very, very useful in getting a full picture of the person that you're meeting. So if you're hiding behind... Um, the screen and only wanting to put in enough the effort that it would take to go to a virtual event that I would encourage you to try to break through and take that leap of, of faith and and push yourself to go to more in-person events but assuming you're a person that already goes to in-person events and is also looking to do virtual events um, or virtual dating then that's also good and there could you could even argue that there's a certain advantage in that as well because when you're getting to know a person behind a the screen, then theoretically you are getting to know their personality and their mind before you see their You see whether you're physically attracted to them. Um, so that could that that could work out, and certainly has worked out in thousands, if not millions, of cases of meeting a person uh, virtually and then in person. I don't know if that answered the question. Oh, I think I, I think that's absolutely great. Yeah. Okay. Next question. I get that we all have flaws. How do I get past some of the annoying things? For example, he doesn't compliment me or treat me to a nice dinner. Doesn't ask me questions about me. Am I expecting too much? Do I need to say something and educate? You're not expecting too much. Those are things that everybody wants. And that may be your love language, words of affirmation. So in that case, even more so, it's not um, unreasonable to want to be loved and to want to be to, to be shown that. But I would say in most relationships, correct me if I'm wrong, Rabbi Bernath, certainly in my relationship um, with my spouse, which I consider to be a very successful relationship, there was a tremendous amount of teaching, both from me to my husband and him to me, of how we would like 
our spouse to express our love and affection to us? What is our love language? It was certainly not something that came naturally. Not only did it not come naturally, but even the first or second or third time uh, that we tried to work with each other, it wasn't successful. It took many, many practices and failures. So to, ex to expect that a person would literally meet you where you're at and be able to kind of hit the target immediately and just know how to how to light your fire naturally that may happen but it's very very rare so if you see there's potential like you said rabbi bernath that could be that that is something that many if not most men have learned and most women have learned how to meet their their spouse's needs in in other ways but certainly that i focused attention and words of affirmation is something that for most people needs to be to be taught and retaught before they really get it and could could uh, could turn each other on in the most direct way. That's great. That's great. Relationships require being vulnerable. They require accepting influence. So when you accept influence, that's exactly what you're doing is you're allowing that person to influence you. If if you can't accept influence from your partner, then there's no relationship there. And so what you're doing in this particular case is you're actually testing the grounds early on for maybe what possibly could be. Obviously, don't overstep. Don't pretend like you're an old married couple when you're, you're on a second date. But at the same time, it'll be interesting. There's a psychologist named David Snarsh, and he talks about differentiation, which is your ability to be authentically yourself while in a relationship. And so if you if that is who you really are authentically, that's okay. And so bring that to the date and broadcast that and let it land. See how it lands for the other person. And then you'll know, can this person, is this person flexible, open, humble enough to be able to accept influence? And that's really good and that's a really good indicator if there's someone who can be in a relationship. And speaking of that, um, that scenario that, that the questioner painted before, um, instead of coming on directly and saying, you know, I really would like for you to be more complimentary to me, which may be 100% appropriate in, in a married, uh, between a married couple, but uh, could be a little touchy in, a, in, you know, when it comes to dating to, to, like you said, put yourself out there and let it see how it lands could maybe look something like, sharing a story about how somebody was complimentary to you and how that made you feel and see if the other person is kind of getting the memo that this is something, oh, okay, note to self. This is what talks to her. Um, so without directly trying to fix the other person, by being very vulnerable and and confident in who you are and what you need and come in expressing that without threatening the other person, that could be a good way to feel the person out and see, are they open to influence, to my influence in particular, or are they close to it or just clueless in general? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Okay, what is your advice on how to develop physical attraction to a person, chemistry, spark. And is it even possible? I quote unquote, air, air quotes, 
friend zone many good guys because I don't feel physical attraction. Do I'd love to hear your answer to this question, Rabbi Bernath? But um, I'll start and then you'll continue. We have a very, very, very high expectation of physical attraction in our culture. And an expectation that it should come on quickly. So the definition of physical attraction could range from being look, from looking forward to, to meeting the person or to meeting them again, to being just full-blown, excited, turned on, passionate by this by, by a person. And again, every movie and every billboard and every advertisement is showing that full-blown passion between genders, between couples, and the, the, the subtle or not so subtle message is that that's the way it should be. And that's what other people are experiencing and they're experiencing it early on. And therefore that's normal and that's what I should expect. And that should be my bar for entry into a relationship. But in reality, for many, many, many couples, the attraction started as a low fire and increased. And you know what? Continues to fluctuate. And which is a blessing. A blessing meaning to continuously have a high fire or to have that as, as a part of a relationship is a blessing. So the difficulty in answering that question is for us, all of us living in 2023 who have such high expectations to even suggest that it's perhaps not necessary to pursue the relationship, that a little bit of attraction could be sufficient and could grow is almost like it hurts. It's like counterintuitive. It's like asking a person to cut off their limbs or to a limb or to give up on, to give up on a dream. And I don't want to be the person to say that or suggest that, but I will share that for many, many people, attraction starts off as excitement or enjoying another person's company. And that could 1,000% grow to be a full-fledged attraction. So if you're willing to, to take that leap of faith, it's possible and probable that it would grow. Assuming that this person is a person that you value and respect as a person. Please weigh in, Rabbi Bernath. That's great. Well, one of the things that I'm really working on, you know, since it's before Yom Kippur and this Rosh Hashanah, and we're always thinking about new things that we, we want to take on. So one of the things that I've taken on this year and I'm working very hard on is really truly listening. So often when people ask me questions, uh, I, I fail to listen. And I'm, I'm always formulating my answer, especially like even in a session like this, like as you're talking, I would be formulating my answer, what I'm going to say next. I'm going to jump in and, 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 ha and have, you know, my next answer. So I'm really working so hard now on actually listening to you and listening to your answer and really taking in and letting that land. And then, so not really formulating my answer. So it's fantastic. No, but we want your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Give a, that resolution doesn't apply to this, uh, to this Zoom call, Rabbi Burnett. Okay, thank you for absolving it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I still think it matters. 
Um, I sometimes wish when I set up couples that I could go on the date and I could go behind one of them and take a little firecracker and light it and all of a sudden say to the other one, look, there's sparks. If, if, you, want, if you want a relationship that is going to last two hours, then follow the movies because that's how long relationships last in the movies. But if you want a relationship that's going to last a long time, where are you going to be if everything is perfect today? Where are you going to be in 20 years? It needs to develop. It needs that process. It needs to develop over time. And that's okay. It's really okay. You don't have to have it all figured out now. You don't have to be 100% attracted. Just interested. If they absolutely are despicable in your eyes and beauties in the eyes of the beholder, and you are totally, totally like, no, then you have two questions you're going to ask. Is that really what I'm really attracted to? Or is it because, like you said, Rebbitz and Holtzkenner, that the the society has created this absurd and un, uh, improbable image of attraction? Or am I really not attracted to them? And then it's a no. And it's, it's a red flag and, and, and move on. But but you have to really check that and, and allow yourself, be real with yourself, be authentic, be, be be true to yourself. Okay, here's another one, a really good one. I'm in North Carolina. Hi, North Carolina. Not far from South Florida. I mean, at least compared to Montreal. Uh, recently divorced. I was married to a Catholic. And now I finally am really interested in meeting someone who connects to my Jewish roots. Unfortunately, there's no eligible men that meet that criteria. How do I meet? Good for you for making that a criteria. Yeah. Very smart and um, very principled. Yeah. And may require some sacrifices in terms of in terms of traveling. So thank God for the World Wide Web in order to help you find a Jewish soulmate, find your soulmate who is definitely a Jew, if you are a Jew. And um, I would I would I would use that as a vehicle to see if there is potential uh, in a relationship. And after video chatting, calling a person, the person on the phone to jump, to jumpstart the relationship. It's uh, it will require taking off time of work uh, from work, a plane ticket, all of those sacrifices that uh, God certainly appreciates. Yeah. It's hard. That's really hard. But I think it's important for you to know that there is someone out there for you. There really is. And that person is waiting for you or looking for you just as much as you're looking for them. Wow, that's there beautiful. There is someone out there. Maybe I would add to that. You are 50% of your relationship. So you already have 50% of your relationship. You're just looking for the other half. And that person really exists. The moment you give up, you're not just giving up on yourself, you're giving up on them. Giving up on yourself, you can say, okay, fine, you can start justifying. 
giving up on yourself. But why would you give up on this wonderful person who's waiting for you or looking for you? They're out there. I really, really, truly believe there's someone there for you. I have seen in my lifetime so many incredible stories. And it happens when you least expect it. It's not the person you were looking for. It's not, it, it's, it's, it's just that. It's unbelievable. So continue doing your work. Don't give up. You can't say, I live in North Carolina and I'm in a remote place and there's nobody Jewish here. There is somebody Jewish here. When I moved to the where I live in NDG, every single person, and to this day, people say, am I the only Jew in NDG? Why do all the Jews always think they're the only Jew wherever they are? No, there's other Jews. It's okay. You're not alone. And if you're looking for somebody Jewish, I commend you because that is unbelievable. But there's someone there and they're looking for you. I think that faith and optimism is so core. And it gets, I'm sure it gets shaken every single day that a person is trying and, and, and their efforts fall flat. But holding on to that faith is, is it's, it's energizing. And spiritually, it's also so important to hold on to that faith that there is somebody for me. I'm 50% of the relationship. I don't want to give up on myself and I don't want to give up on them. Yeah. And there's a God who has it, who has it planned, who loves me and, and wants to see me together with the companionship and love of my person. Thank you. Here's a, on topic. Here's another question that came in. I wonder why God has made my journey to find my soulmate so long. I've done all the right things, reached my highest degree, successful at work, helped my family, and told a few years ago that I will not be able to have children. Everything else has come with hard work, but this partnership has been destroyed and delayed. I'm sure there has to be a reason. My heart goes out to you. Incredibly challenging. Putting your pain to the side for a second, with your permission, it's a societal problem as well. That... There's so much emphasis put on people securing their careers and other parts of their life with the expectation that finding your soulmate will just happen naturally, inevitably, without any effort. And that it doesn't have to be pursued and it doesn't have to be pursued with, um, with a sense of urgency. And many people are suffering from that breakdown in the value system of the Western world or the world at large. And I'm sorry that you have to be suffering from that. But to circle back to the beginning, the fact that it's challenging means that this journey is an essential part of your life goal.
And we do not know why our path in life, our our journey, our challenges take on the form that they do. It's part of, of the mystery of creation. But there is a reason, like you concluded, there is a reason. And we never, we you may never know the reason. Just like I can look at some challenges in my life and say, I will never know why this happened. Some 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 things just can't be undone. Like you can't turn back the clock. And yet, if this is your journey, if your journey is to find your soulmate and not have children or not have biological children, then that's exactly the life that God wants you to live. Not the life you chose, not the script you wrote for yourself, but this is what God wants from you. And I would encourage you in, in, in the challenge, in the, with this challenge of, of looking for a soulmate and, and the hopelessness that can come with it, to tap into the gratitude for what you do have in your life, be it health, if it's friends and family, and almost think to yourself, what if I didn't have that either? But thank God I do have that. And I'm grateful for that. Mm. And that enriches my life. And now I want something that will enrich my life even more. But God, I'm walking in the path that you set out for me. And I know that that's going to be a meaningful path. But Hashem should bless you and, and everybody with a transformative luck, transformative muscle to be able to reach the goal without jumping through hoops and, and pushing through barriers. And that whatever dreams that you have to give up on, if, if, if that is the, the case of giving up on the dream of having biological children, that uh, you should, you should, be able to, to see the good in that and to to find some solace and, and 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 never underestimate or look down on the quality of your life because it doesn't look the way other people think it should look or the way you yourself thought it should look. It looks exactly the way God thinks it should look. Mm. And it's solid gold. Amen. I love that. It's solid gold. Yes. So we have um, we we have thirty two questions and uh, twenty eight minutes uh, uh, less than that uh, twenty three minutes left. So we're not going to get to all of them, but let's see if we can get to a bunch. At least we won't. We don't want to keep too many of these hanging. Okay. Um, okay. Let's do it. Let's try. Let's try. I feel that some of the men who have proposed just want to get married, but I feel that they don't. They don't really know me, and it's pretty superficial. After dating a few times and dating out of town, the man proposed. When I suggested that I move to his town to get to know each other, he rejected and said, if you don't know by now, you'll never know. Was he right? I don't know. I, I want to know what town you live in. Yes. This is, this, and you've met multiple men who men are quick to propose. <laughs> this is unbelievable. We want are your you... magic. We want your magic. <laughs> Unbelievable. Because as I'm sure you know, most people complain of, of exactly the opposite men that are that are have resistance proposing. That's amazing. So, yes, it is. <laughs> so I would not be critical of a man who proposes too early 
in your opinion. I think that could be that. I think that is a good sign. Somebody who wants to to jump into a committed relationship and and work things out once they're in the committed relationship. Uh, at the same time, you don't need to to throw away your 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 good set your sensibility or your instinct of wanting to develop the relationship more. I think if you come from that perspective of I respect the fact that you want to get married and that you're choosing me. And I would like to let to, to get to know each other and build a little bit of more trust or a lot more trust before we before we uh, take that next step. I think that could be validating to yourself and to him. Somebody shared a story recently about true story about a couple that got married in Israel. And uh, shortly after the marriage, I think it was a, a few weeks or a few months later, the the wife suffered a terrible accident and had to have both of her legs amputated. Terrible story. And she turned to her husband and said, would you have married me if this happened six weeks before our marriage? Mm -hmm. And her husband said, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think I would have. Six weeks before we got married, I would have said, I love you, I'm wishing you the best, but I don't wanna, I'm not signing up for a life of being married to somebody who's so handicapped. But now this accident, it happened to us, not to you. Wow. It happened to us. That's marriage. Mm. Wow. Yes. So maybe that's where these guys that are proposing are coming from. If we can work out some of the things that need to be ironed out as an us, then we'll be coming from a place of, of great, even greater strength than working it out as two, two separate islands. Okay. Can you please elaborate what indecision or ambivalence is about? I just can't get to yes. Or I'm unsure. I keep thinking that if it was the right guy, I would be more confident and happy. Your thoughts. I, I definitely want to hear your thoughts about this question as well, Rabbi Bernath. We're not going to let you get away with it, with not with not answering this. But um, if if this is happening to you, may be one hundred percent correct in your in your ambivalence or anxiety. Maybe this person is is truly not for you. Maybe you're sensing things that are scaring you off about entering into the in, in the relationship, and that sense of that that could be the gift of fear. But if this is happening, if this is a pattern and you see that very often you appreciate this person that you're dating and yet you have ambivalence um, fear, which leads to ambivalence about taking the next step, making the relationship exclusive or, or date, continuing to date, then you want to take ownership and say, OK, this is a me problem and there's something blocking me from living my best life. I want to. I want to do myself a favor and do my soulmate a favor by trying to work through that. What do you think? I could have said it better myself. I, if you're, it sounds like the questioner is really intuitive. And if you're intuitive, you got to trust your intuition. If, if, if you're feeling ambivalent for some reason, then, then ask either ask it or, or do something about it. Maybe mm. you need more information. Maybe you're not ready yet. Maybe you you have unsolved issues uh, yourself or unsolved issues with the relationship. 
But in any case, trust your intuition. There, there's something missing here. I have a question for you. I have a very weird case. This is how the person says it. I just want to know how to handle a relationship with this type of man. I broke up with him three times already. How do you deal with the narcissistic man who keeps coming back? One day he says, yes, I want to get married and have kids with you. Another day he says, I can't offer you more than once a week to see each other. I don't want any attachment. Another time he's asking, what do I think about an open relationship? I just want to hear my, I, I, I just wants to hear my opinion on that. But he doesn't explain why he's asking these questions. And he's offering this type of a, a question. A man who always is saying how much he loves me, but doesn't act accordingly. How do I react to this person? If he is truly a narcissistic person, like you're, like like uh, you you described, um, it's it's very very complicated because many narcissistic not many narcissistic people are also very charming and charismatic and can make you feel really good to be around them. But of course, it's very dangerous. And I think when he says something, believe him. If he says, how do you feel about an open relationship? Believe him. He wants an open relationship. Do you want that? And don't delude yourself to think maybe he doesn't mean it. Maybe he cares about me more than he's expressing that he does. No, he's showing you what he has. It's a gift that you see this before you're married. And um, really try to envision the rest of your life with somebody who's going to be encouraging an open marriage and all the other things that you feel are not comfortable for you. That's exactly that's going to be the way that that'll be how it'll play out. Do you want it or not? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. This is great. Okay, next question. Any recommendations for managing dating burnout? For 15 years, I've tried dating websites, apps. I even paid significant amounts of money to work with a matchmaker over the past year. Unfortunately, I either meet people who are not ready for a relationship or I'm set up with people who are not appealing to me. At this point, it often feels easier to be alone, even though it's not my ultimate goal. I feel like a fully formed person at this stage, and I'm very fulfilled by my occupational and, so and social life. I would appreciate having a partner to share with it to share life with but if i could find one no luck so far what do you think thank you i think this is such an understandable question and a very common stance for people to be in i would say half of my friends uh feel in that feel that way and um and i could completely understand it that burnout but what it leads to is li little effort in dating. And um, my fear is that the loss of opportunities that could be life-changing. I know that didn't answer the question, though. Uh, Robbie Bernath, would you weigh in on this? It's, it's a hard one because you're right. I'm in the middle of uh, writing a book, and this um, this question is really weighing very, very heavy on me. And it's been probably one of the most difficult processes that I've ever gone through. I'll tell you the title of the book, and you'll get what it's about. It's called Why Bother Getting Married? 
And that's that it, question in a nutshell. It's that question in a nutshell. And it's a question that I think is the spoken and unspoken question of this generation. For whatever reason, we, we don't know. For whatever reason, I, I, I believe you that these people that you're getting set up with are not serious. For whatever reason, it could be because a lot of us come from divorced homes. It could be that we don't have positive role models for relationships. It could be so many factors. And one of the reasons why, I'm, why I say I'm still in the middle of writing it is because I've rewritten it about 10 times already because it's such a complicated wow. question. Can't wait to see the ultimate answer. And I don't have an answer yet. I there don't, is no ultimate answer. I, 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 I'm up to act three. I don't, I don't know. And maybe the answer is there's no ultimate answer. And I have to understand that this is a generation that doesn't have the answer to this question. Maybe that's the answer. But what I say to you is that all the things that you've done for all these years, all the money you've spent, all the things you've tried, they're not in vain. They're one step closer to your person. I promise you there is someone out there for you. Some of us have an easier time in school. Some of us have an easier time at work. Some of us have an easier time with relationships. Some of us had a harder time at school, harder time at work, harder time at relationships. For some reason, God made it that part of your purpose in this world, part of your challenge, because a great challenge means that it's a great purpose. Part of your great challenge that will lead to your great purpose in this world is finding your person. So whatever money you've spent, whatever time you've spent, it's not in vain. There is someone out there. I still wholeheartedly believe in marriage. Part of it is you have to look at your 50% and then you can look and find the other 50%. Make sure you have your 50% intact. But one of the things you said there that really struck me is that I don't need it. You said, I have a good social life. Everything is good for me. I've got a good career. You don't need it. I think if you don't need something, it's a good idea, but are you going to go run and look for it? Maybe not. And that's where you're going to get burnt out. You're not getting burnt out. You're just finding satisfaction somewhere else and not in this. But maybe this is your tafkid. Maybe this is your purpose. And so it's very easy to just revel in, a, in, in the things that are just coming naturally to you. Good social life, I'm happy for you. A good career, fantastic. But obviously you're here and you keep asking that question because you have this burning question. You're not asking the question because you decided, oh, they asked me for a question I'm going to ask. This question is emotionally charged. And if it's emotionally charged, it is part of your purpose. And there is someone out there. And it's so interesting. I'm getting a lot of private messages of people disagreeing with me on this. I love that. I love that. Somebody just wrote me just now. I'll just give you one of them. There's, there's about eight of them here. And one of them is, I don't know if I agree with that sentiment, Rabbi. As we know, there are only two guarantees in life, death and taxes. Hopefully I'll see past that. And maybe one day I'll find love. If there's one message that at least I can share with you tonight, is there really is someone out there for you. For some people, it may have come easier. I'm happy for them. 
For some people, it comes harder. But there is someone out there. Don't give up. Don't, whatever you do, don't give up. The It's as hard as it is. Don't give up. There is really someone out there for you. We're going to have to do this again because we have so many questions that are still coming in and so many that are not answered from before. And uh, our time is basically up. So for those of you who want to uh, to, to get the, the Revison's help finding a match, maybe you've, you've tried everything. Some of you have said that, but you haven't tried. I don't, I, I can't imagine that person has tried this Revison. We're going to, when we send you in the email, uh, this recording, for you to go over, we'll also send you a link to be able to sign up. And uh, there's so many ways uh, to, to find your match. People are saying match me. They want you to match them. So with Hashem's help, that was the greatest honor and pleasure. But he also put on the chat uh, just the basic link, not which is not basic, the wonderful magical link to jmatchmaking.com. So that is the link, jmatchmaking.com. Maybe I'll put it right here there, where you, you can sign link? up. Do you, you have a private link? And I have a private link that I can also put uh, a Google form. Okay. So why don't you put it there if anybody... That I'm, okay. okay. I'm going to put it there as well. I'm going to yeah, find absolutely. it. And um, thank you so much for being here tonight and for your time and for your fantastic answers. And... Uh, Really, uh, the, the world needs you and needs all the help that you're giving to so many singles. So keep it up. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Berna. Thank you for for facilitating this and for literally dedicating your life, your life's work to matching people and help so many people find their soulmate and um, not giving up hope not for other people. And, and, and that also, I think when you have somebody who, 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 who believes in you and your future, it, 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 it I know for me, it, uh, it, it, when there's somebody who believes in me and is optimistic about my life, it allows me, it makes me feel safe to, to, to do the same. So thank you for that, for yeah. that gift as well. Thank you. And, and it's a blessing since it's before Yom Kippur. Do you want to end with a little blessing for everyone? It's... Yes, sure, sure. And uh, the the last questioner was talking about having a, a full life and still still thinking about putting in the effort to 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 have that to to find to find that special person to find your person, and that's exactly what God did. God was perfect independently. And yet God went through so much effort to create otherness, to create us who he could have a relationship with. And that's what Yom Kippur is about as well. It's about, it's about strengthening the love and the relationship between us and God, even though God is perfect on his own. And we all should be perfect and fulfilled on our own and yet still muster up that courage for those of us who need it to, to pursue otherness and the meaning that comes from having a relationship with otherness and, and having tremendous success, the ultimate success in, in, in that pursuit and that effort. Thank you. Amen. Amen. This is a great time. We ask for what, what, what we want and Hashem will grant us this year. This is your year, everyone. Everyone here, this is your year.
This is it. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, we have to do it again sometime. Yes.